Chapter Thirteen of The Lone Ranger Rides. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lone Ranger Rides by Fran Stryker. Chapter Thirteen. Help wears a mask. Penny couldn't turn back without making herself appear ridiculous. Rangoon had already seen her and was grinning a welcome. He took his hat off with a flourish and revealed black hair, parted low on one side and plastered down upon his forehead with a carefully nurtured dip. His hair gleamed from greasy stuff that he used on it. Well, he said with the air of a welcoming host, this is a downright surprise. Penny halted at the edge of the clearing. It was the first time she had seen Rangoon at close range, and she found him wholly repugnant. His face was pitted from smallpox, scarred from a knife brawl, and generally greasy with sweat, but it was his eyes that made him hideous. They were small, bloodshot, and set too close together. He had only one eyebrow, which extended clear across the ridge of his receding forehead, serving both eyes. The expression in his eyes was one of confidence and insolence. Instinctively, Penny felt that she should turn at once and ride back home. Rangoon advanced on foot and held a hand toward her. "'I'll help you down from the saddle,' he said. I'M NOT DISMOUNTING. I WAS JUST ABOUT TO TURN BACK. I DON'T RECKON YOU'LL WANT TO TURN BACK RIGHT NOW, RANGOON SAID. THERE'S SOMETHING OVER HERE YOU'LL BE RIGHT GLAD TO HAVE A LOOK AT. I DOUBT IT. PENNY TRIED TO JERK THE reins AROUND, BUT RANGOON WAS HOLDING THEM. PLEASE LET GO OF MY reins, RANGOON. I'M GOING HOME. RANGOON SHOOK HIS HEAD SLOWLY. I wouldn't, he said, if I was you. I understand that your uncle'd be right sore if he found you'd rid up here in spite of all he's said about it. Penny pulled suddenly and hard, but vainly. It ain't no use trying to pull free just yet, Rangoon advised her, because I aim to have you take just one look at what I seen. Then you're free to go if you wanta. Penny was armed. She wore a small-caliber revolver on a belt around her waist. She felt that she could use this if necessary. She was more angry than frightened. She dismounted, ignoring the offered hand of the pock-marked man. He shrugged his shoulders, as if to say it didn't matter. She noticed that his own horse was tethered to a nearby tree. What is it you want to show me? I suppose, Rangoon said slowly, you're downright disappointed that it's me you seen here instead of your other friend. Penny noticed the use of the word other. It implied that, in his mind, Rangoon had no intention of considering himself in the humble position of a waddle on her uncle's ranch, but rather as one on an equal social footing. Penny made no comment. "'You wonder how I knew about him, eh?' Rangoon said. 
"'Well, there is what I wanted you to see.' He pointed to the ground. Penny saw the marks of her small boots clearly showing where she had stood yesterday. Nearby were the prints that Tonto's moccasins had made. Penny stared and felt herself growing cold with fury at the realization of what she knew must be in Rangoon's foul mind. Not only were the prints there together, but both pairs led toward the lean-to. "'Tain't as if it was one of the boys from the basin,' the tantalizing voice behind her said, "'but a critter wearin' moccasins. That might mean a redskin.' Penny acted instinctively. She whirled quickly and swung with all the force of her arm. Her gloved hand smacked against the scar on Rangoon's cheek. Then she burned with embarrassment. Any explanation would be futile. She walked quickly toward her horse. "'Not so fast,' Rangoon said sharply, grabbing Penny's arm. You let go of my arm, or I'll shoot you. The hell you will. In that instant, Penny was ready to kill. All reasoning left her. The hand on her arm brought her fury to white heat. She snatched for her gun, but Rangoon slapped the weapon from her hand. Rangoon released his grip on her arm and caught up the reins of her horse. "'Just get your senses while I tie up your hoss, and we'll talk.' Released, the girl made a dive for her gun, which was on the ground. Rangoon saw the motion and put his foot on the weapon. "'I'll fix that,' he growled. He picked up the gun and emptied it of cartridges. "'Now you can have the shooting iron back,' he said handing it to her while he tossed the ammunition deep among the heavy brush. Penny took her weapon mechanically and put it, empty, in her holster. Fear gripped her for a moment when she realized that she was practically helpless. To turn and race away on foot would be a futile gesture. She thought of fainting, but that wouldn't help matters any. She looked defiantly at Rangoon, what do you want to talk about? Now, that's more like it. You needn't be scared of me. I don't aim to hurt you none. There was a definite sneer in both the voice and expression while the man tossed Las Vegas's reins about a tree and nodded them. Don't get the notion that you got to fight for your honor and all that sort of tripe like in the reading books. I don't aim to get shot up by men in the basin for making passes at you. I like my women without no killin' fights tied on to them." Penny stubbornly refused to let her face indicate her feelings. She stood, chin up, listening. First of all,' Rangoon said, "'I hanker to know why you rid up here.' "'It's none of your business.' "'Gonna be stubborn again, eh? "'Now you'll get home a sight quicker if you answer my questions.' "'Why are you here?' countered Penny. "'That's easy. "'I tell when you tell,' Rangoon grinned. 
Making a sort of game of it, eh? Well, yesterday I seen smoke coming out in the treetops. I wondered who was camping here, but couldn't get away from the basin to see. I rid up today and found some downright interesting footprints. Now it's your turn to tell me just what they mean. And then you'll let me leave here? Talk first. I used to ride up this way before I went to school. I came up yesterday and found a friendly Indian camped here. Why? How do I know? You ride up here twice. Penny hadn't credited Rangoon with such skill at reading signs. Yes, I came up twice. The Redskin had two horses with him. What about him? Penny, while hating herself for enduring the man's insolence, felt that there was no use trying to evade the truth, which, after all, was harmless. She told Rangoon about bringing food for the Indian's friend. When she mentioned the friend, Rangoon showed keen interest. "'Who was that there friend?' "'I don't know.' "'Where was he at?' I don't know that, either. I've told you all I know, Rangoon." The man shook his head slowly. "'Tain't enough. I got to know the rest.' Penny was defiant. "'I've told you all I know, and now I'm starting back for the basin. If I'm not there, Uncle Bryant will wonder why, and I'll tell him why I was delayed. You ought to know him pretty well, Rangoon. He won't take this sort of behavior from you." Rangoon threw back his head and laughed hard at this. "'Your uncle won't hurt me,' he said between two roars of laughter. Penny made a sudden dive for the knotted reins. Again Rangoon was quicker. He caught her in strong hands. "'You ain't leavin', he said, "'till you tell who the Redskin's friend is and where he's hidin'. "'I tell you I don't know.' Penny struggled to free herself. "'I'll wring it out of you,' Rangoon bellowed as he wrapped his long arms completely around the girl and nearly cut off her wind in a bear-like grip. "'Let me go,' gasped Penny. Rangoon's grip was tighter. His arms were crushing the slim girl to him, bending her back until it hurt frightfully. His ugly face was close to her, his breath, foul with alcohol and half-rotted teeth, was hot. Penny felt nauseated, violently ill. Contact with the girl made Rangoon reckless. He seemed to forget any fear he might have had. His voice was hoarse as he shouted to Penny, "'Who is that Indian's friend?' His repeated question was simply an excuse to hold the girl. His voice was hoarse. "'Who is that Indian's friend?' "'I am.' It was a new voice, a deeply resonant one that spoke from behind Rangoon. "'Stand back,' the same voice snapped. 
Rangoon swore and whirled as he snatched out his gun with cat-like speed and agility. The releasing of the girl, the turning, the drawing, and the firing all seemed part of one smooth flowing movement that came from instinct. Wide-eyed, Penny saw Rangoon's gun jump as it lashed flame and smoke toward the newcomer. The gun seemed a thing alive. It leaped free of Rangoon's hand and flew in an arc across the clearing. Rangoon screamed a livid curse of pain as he gripped his gun hand. The stranger, standing ten feet away, had his own weapon back in its holster. Penny saw that the man was tall. His hat was white and clean, and his face was masked. Rangoon's hand must have hurt terribly, to judge from his violent cursing. Penny had a dazed, detached feeling as she watched the two men. Rangoon, still cursing, held a hand that stung from the force of the bullet that had knocked his own gun away. The stranger with the mask stepped forward and slapped Rangoon on the face. The blow did not appear to be hard swung, but it sent Rangoon sprawling on the ground. "'That's enough of that talk,' the stranger said in his crisp but nonetheless pleasant voice. Penny heard another sound and turned as Tonto came from behind the trees. The masked man spoke again. "'You're not hurt badly. My bullet struck your gun, not your hand.' "'You'll pay for this,' Rangoon cried. "'I'll see you shot up a little at a time. "'I'll have my men get you. You wait.' The Lone Ranger turned to Tonto. "'You'd better gag him, Tonto,' he said. "'It's going to be hard to talk above that noise.' Tonto grinned and leaped astride Rangoon, who made no attempt to rise from the ground. What the killer said was muffled, as Tonto jammed a knotted cloth into his mouth. "'When he's gagged, rope him.' Tonto nodded, and his expression said, "'Gladly.' Penny watched with interest. She knew she should mount and ride at once for the basin, but there was something about the masked man that held her, and there were things she wanted to ask. Who was this stranger whose chin was so well shaped? Why was he masked? She instinctively liked him, aside from the help he'd given her. She liked his efficient manner of handling Rangoon. Beyond the trees she caught a glimpse of silver. This, then, was the man to whom she had sent food, the man for whom Tonto had asked help. This was the owner of the magnificent stallion. Friend, she thought. That's who he is. Tonto's friend. She remembered the way Tonto had spoken of him, then understood the tone the Indian had used when he said, My friend. End of chapter 13